It absolutely revolutionised the lives of ordinary people. No longer did they have to stay in the dirty and smoke-filled towns and cities. They could go out into the countryside for the day. This is 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. I'm Rachel Roberts, the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums, and today we'll be looking at the stories behind another object from our collections as we celebrate 100 years of our museums. Today's object can take us on a journey through Victorian history. It's an early form of a familiar object, which helped pave the way for cyclists everywhere to be able to ride in safety and comfort, even if this model still left a few things to be desired. Today's object is a bone shaker bicycle. The bone shaker is immediately recognisable as a bicycle. It has two wheels of the same size, pedals and handlebars, all connected by a metal frame. There had been machines similar to bikes on the market for some time before the bone shaker was invented, but their high cost and the fact that they certainly weren't a practical means of transport meant that they were easily superseded by bikes like this. Bone shakers, named for the uncomfortable ride they provided, were however themselves quickly refined into much safer and more comfortable bikes. Although this bike is based on a French design, this one was made right here in Lancaster at the Phoenix Foundry, a metal foundry located on Phoenix Street, which you can find out more about in a previous episode of this podcast series. We don't know exactly when it was built, but owing to the lack of certain features, we can guess that it was an early model, probably dating from the 1860s. It's roughly the size of a modern adult's bicycle, at about 1.7 metres long and a little over a metre tall. It's made of metal and wood. The metal has been painted a very dark green, and the wooden elements, the saddle and handlebars, are a dark brown. The wheels are also made of wood and metal, without any rubber or air-filled tyres. There's no chain, but rather the pedals connect directly to the front wheel. We spoke to Mark Davis, the Chief Executive of Lancaster City Council and keen cyclist, to find out more about bone shakers and bikes of all sorts. So I've chosen the Bone Shaker Bicycle made by the Phoenix Foundry in Lancaster because I've been a keen cyclist since I was very young. In the last 10 years, I've cycled over 100,000 miles, which is the equivalent of four times around the world. So cycling has increasingly become more technical with carbon frames, Strava, electronic gear changing. But its purity as a form of transport is that it completely relies on physics, and specifically Newton's third law, which is that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. All bicycles are incredible feats of engineering, and it's really amazing to think how similar, and yet very different, they are now to the bicycle we're going to talk about from over 150 years ago. Well, the first bicycles were invented around 1817 to 19, just after the Battle of Waterloo. The English hobby horse was developed by a London cartwright called Dennis Johnson and became very fashionable amongst the wealthy young men. The hobby horse didn't have pedals, but men would sit astride it and power it with the feet in pretty much the same way as a child's balance bike operates today. These bikes reached speeds of up to 10 miles an hour which actually made them a real hazard on the streets of London, and they were very soon banned. 
The bicycles cost around £8 each, which was around half a year's wage for a skilled labourer. And at this point, the bone shaker rolled into history. Mark explained how it was a significant improvement on what had come before, although still left much to be desired for the rider. The bone shaker is the nickname that the English gave to a variety of velocipede which was first made by Pierre Michaud of Paris in 1861. Michaud, though, wasn't the inventor of the velocipede. That was a Scotsman called Kirkpatrick Macmillan, 12 years earlier in 1839. But he was the first to attach cranks and pedals to the front wheel. He also mounted the saddle on a long single leaf spring between the front and rear wheel, which made it marginally more comfortable for the rider. The Michaud bicycle was well-engineered, but also stylish, with nice detailing around the saddle, pedals and lamp brackets. Michaud originally used cast iron, but that was very heavy and also prone to breaking, so he turned to wrought iron instead. Even with that engineering refinement, the bike was very heavy. It weighed in at around 27 kilograms, or 60 pounds, so bigger heavier than a sack of potatoes. The bone shaker then became the British name for a velocipede. Despite the saddle on its spring, which is a piece of curved metal stretching from the front to the rear of the frame, the wheels were wood and the tyres were metal. Combined with the roughly surfaced roads of the time, it wasn't a comfortable experience compared to the smooth ride that pneumatic tyres and tarmac roads give today. Furthermore, the bone shaker was very difficult to steer because as you press down on the right pedal, it pulled the steering to the right-hand side. There weren't any chains as yet. And then if you pulled it to the left-hand side, when you push down the left pedal, so you always felt like you are fighting to keep it going in a straight line. The braking system was quite scary as well. You had to twist the handlebars to pull a cord that linked to a metal lever that then pressed a wooden pad against the rear wheel. This let out a terrible screech, which did at least warn people that there was a bone shaker behind them. It should be noted that the bicycle bell wasn't invented until 1877. The front wheel axle was encouraged to run more smoothly by oiled bronze bearings, and some bone shakers had small lubrication tanks with lamb's wool soaked in oil to help keep them lubricated. This improved again though in 1869 when ball bearings started to be fully used. Given everything we've heard, was the bone shaker actually popular? Would there have been lots of them racing around the streets of Lancaster and Morecambe? Well it really wasn't that popular at first and the riders of it were subjected to quite a lot of mockery. Cartoons in popular papers at the time, such as Punch, portrayed bicyclists as careering along the roads, scaring elderly ladies and the local wildlife. So actually, much hasn't changed in the popular press. However, it wasn't long before the freedom and the sense of adventure that the bone shaker gave to people started to change opinions. In Britain, the first cycling clubs were started and long-distance cycle rides began with one trek travelling the 700 miles from London to John O'Groats, which is very, very impressive when you think that the top speed of the bike was around 8 miles an hour. Soon after that, races started to be organised. 
The first recorded contest was held at Hendon near London. The same year, the first race was held in France over a distance of 1,200 metres and was won by the Englishman James Moore, who lived in France, which obviously didn't impress the French very much. In 1869, the first long-distance race was held in France between Paris and Rouen in Normandy over 76 miles. That was again won by James Moore, who averaged a speed of 7.5 miles per hour. That race, though, is seen by some as the precursor to the Tour de France and was open to both men and women with a field of 100 riders, of which four were women who had to overcome the difficulties of riding in a long skirt. The bicycle continued to be developed. Rubber tyres were introduced as well as spokes. Although it was 1874 by the time that the lighter, stronger tangent spoke wheel that we use today was invented by James Starley, the son of a Sussex farmer. Starley also invented the differential gear for bicycles in the year 1877. So what brought about an end to the time of the bone shaker? And how did it and its successors change society? Several factors brought the day of the bone shaker to an end. The first was the Franco-Prussian War of 1871, which changed French engineering firms from making bicycles to making armaments. The young men also enlisted and went to fight and defend their country. The second factor was that people wanted to go faster and the bone shaker only had a wheel that was three foot, or just under one metre in diameter. It was superseded by the ordinary, which we popularly know as the penny farthing. This again was powered from the front wheel and had no chain, but the huge diameter of the front wheel meant that for every time you turned the pedals around one rotation, the bicycle moved almost five metres Obviously that meant that cyclists could travel much greater distances than previously for exactly the same amount of effort. It wasn't really until the late 1870s and 80s that bicycling became popular for everyone. That was down to the invention by John Kemp Starley, the nephew of James Starley, of the famous Rover safety bicycle. The Rover was lower in weight, so it wasn't as dangerous used a chain so that you pedalled the back wheel and the invention of pneumatic tyres and a properly sprung saddle made it much more comfortable as well. The invention of the safety bicycle is the next step from the bone shaker and the penny farthing and it absolutely revolutionised the lives of ordinary people. No longer did the industrial working classes have to stay in the dirty and smoke-filled towns and cities but they could go out into the countryside for the day. Men and women who couldn't afford a horse were suddenly liberated and given a freedom that they could only ever have dreamt of. Women in particular were seen as having gained much more freedom, including in dress with cycling costumes of bloomer-type trousers being worn, much to the shock, it has to be said, of the more conservative members of society.
So let's finish our ride through history back in Lancaster and Morecambe and find out what part cycling played in the history of this area. When this bone shaker was built, there were only a few firms that specialised in making bicycles, which were still being made in very small numbers. Many were still made locally by engineering firms, such as the Phoenix Foundry in Lancaster. It wasn't until the 1870s that Coventry became the centre of the bicycling industry. Bicycles at that time were still a luxury item and still costed around £8 each, which thanks to inflation was now the equivalent of around 13 weeks wages for a skilled labourer, rather than the 26 weeks of 1819. This bicycle is probably an early model as it does not use a spring for the saddle to rest on. Instead, there's a rather solid piece of iron which I think must have made riding it very, very uncomfortable. Bicycle clubs were then formed, and Lancaster has had a cyclist touring club and a National Clarion Cycling Club. The National Cyclist Touring Club was founded in 1878 as the Bicycle Touring Club and is now known as Cycling UK, while the National Clarion Cycling Club was founded in 1895. These clubs organised excursions into the countryside for members, allowing men and women from all different walks of life to socialise and exercise in the safety of a large organised group. The museum collections contain a badge from the Lancaster Cycling Club, which celebrates its centenary in 2024. The museum collection also contains a local Clarion Club membership form and photos of various cycling races in Morecambe. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. There's lots more to discover in other episodes as we talk about everything from singing stars to stereographs. 